104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Right out of the box, I always have a question for Ned Reynolds today. What'd you do with the nice weather we were supposed to have today? What'd you do with it? Blew it. <laughs> it is not here. I mean, yeah. And this was the day that, from a personal standpoint, that I had set aside a mobile lawn dog gummit. Oh, oh darn. Oh, oh, no, Ned. <laughs> it is Ned Talk, your local live sports show. I am Joe Weston. I am joined, as always, by our radio roustabout, Ned Reynolds. Ned, how are you? Was good until the uh, little pad of raindrops started falling on the street, but uh, good. I thought Very you were going to say was good till I saw you. No. <laughs> John Oliver with us today. John, how are you? I'm good. It's been a few weeks. I've been off doing my, and this will date me, my own personal Bob Vila imitation, <laughs> trying to remodel my home, so... How's it going? Uh, good, good. I'm almost done. This so, old yeah. house with John Oliver. That's right. It's coming to or, a TV near you. Yeah. Is that with or without the cocaine? Uh, we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave that unsaid. That's best unsaid. Josh Roberts, Alabama hat and all sitting across from me. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Good. It's good to see you again. Good to see all you guys again. Smiling faces, bright and ready to go to talk about some sports. Let's get right to it. Ned has got some big news for us as far as Missouri State football. Indeed, they have made the FCS playoffs for the first time in 30 years. Now, just throw a little caveat. It is FCS playoffs with an asterisk because it's the first and I hope only time that this is ever going to be held in the spring. And they will have another win next fall, which will have the true credibility to it since there will be 24 teams in that one. There's 16 teams in this year's playoff, and the Bears are one of the at-large teams. I will tell you, I'm a little bit surprised. I didn't think that the selection committee, there's 16 teams, I didn't think they'd take any more than three Valley teams or the most, and they've taken five. Five Missouri Valley Conference teams of the 16 teams in the field. Now, that tells you something about the uh, Missouri Valley Conference and the credibility that it has established. Uh, Missouri State is going to play North Dakota, which is a conference game, as it turns out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a conference game on April 3rd that was canceled because of, or at least allegedly canceled because of uh, COVID, so it was never played. I think when the committee got together, what they decided was Missouri State should be in this thing and North Dakota should be in this thing. We'll just match them up and play. Mm-hmm. The other three Missouri Valley Conference teams are, of course, the eight-time champion North Dakota State Bison the league champion, which is South Dakota State, they beat North Dakota State yesterday in the only Valley Conference game. And the biggest surprise, in my opinion of all, is Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. They were uh, selected to play. Their uh, overall record is not great, but they do have a win over North Dakota State very early in the uh, regular season, or regular season as we know it. And they're going out to Ogden, Utah, and they'll play Weber State out there. And Weber State is a very good football team. But you know what? So is SIU. They were up on the Bears two weeks ago here, or three weeks ago, I guess it was, here in town, 19-7, to and the Bears came back and won 30-27 mm-hmm. uh, on the uh, kick at the buzzer, or, or buzzer's basketball. Yes. Right, <laughs> at the gun. At the gun in football. Yeah. So uh, the fact of the matter remains that the committee felt that they should be in, too. So we'll see what happens. The overall number one seed 
the teams, everybody's playing uh, all rounds. But the number one seed is South Dakota State, and they are they're very strong, very strong football team. So it'll be a pretty good little tournament. Then they'll rest after the championship game for about three months and go right back at it again in the fall. Where's that game going to be played It'll at? Be in Grand Forks. Oh. Grand Forks, North Dakota is where they're going to play it. Uh, that's It's a dome in there. It's not as big as the one in Fargo, North Dakota, but it's it's good size, 12,000. And uh, they'll have it'll, – it'll be a tough assignment for the Bears. There's just no question. North Dakota was number one team in America for – a few weeks this year, and they have a very good football program. This is their first year in the Missouri Valley Conference, came over from the Big Sky, where they also played a representative level of football. Uh, and uh, having said all that, though, Petrino, I'll tell you, I wouldn't put anything past this team at all. They're, they're a, a solid football team. Great, I think, remains to be seen, but certainly solid. Well, anything better than what we've had over the last few years yeah, how is, exciting is, this? is great football. We're, we're talking about Bears football. Whether it be spring or fall, we're talking about playoffs. 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 We're talking about playoffs. <laughs> we're talking about playoffs right now, which is amazing to be. I mean, John, you're a Missouri State alum like me. Mm-hmm. We, how long has it been since you've been excited about football for, for our, I, our I, alma mater? I think I've said it before. The last time I was excited was the DeAndre Smith days, honestly. Yep. I mean, this is... And I have to eat my words. I was very critical of Petrino. I think I've said that, you know, originally when he came in. And I, I was honestly to the point a couple of years ago when we talked about this that I thought maybe getting rid of the football program was a good idea. At this point, Petrino, I have to give him all the credit in the world. He's motivated these guys. He's made great personnel moves in getting some guys here that are top-tier talent. And they've just responded. I mean, he is obviously a great motivator for those kids. And it's a lot of fun to be in this situation right now. That's something we talked about last week, a different voice, because most mm-hmm. of these kids were here under Coach Steck. And yep. yet he's getting different results than what we've seen under Coach Steck. Exactly. Yeah. What do you think about different voices when you hear them? I mean, besides the one <laughs> the ones in my Josh. head? Or, yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> you weren't I think, ready for that question, yeah. were you? No, you kind of threw me off with that. But uh, <laughs> I think this is testament to that. I mean, I think because I, I think Coach Steck was a good coach. You know, but I think you get this guy. This is Bobby Petrino. He's been at the top. He's fallen to the bottom. He's coming back up. But he's got that. He's, he knows what to say. He knows how to motivate these guys. He knows how to assess their talent. He knows what he wants to get out of them. And he's doing an amazing job of getting it. And like, the result is there. Credibility. We'll, we'll oh, yeah. ask you that uh, we interviewed him last week. And I said to him, I presented that circumstance. What is it about this team from the one that you took over when you came in here because you knew this was downtrodden hell or one in ten for heaven's sake. Mm-hmm. And he said, when I took over, I could tell the attitude of this team was way down. The dragging around their jaws and just not playing very well and not playing motivated and going through the motions. So he and his new staff, which uh, of, of whom I think three of them, one's his son and two sons-in-law, I believe is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got together and said, hey, we've got to motivate these guys. And they did. It is a change in mindset. Now, there are some key additions to this team yes. that have made made a difference. There is some tweaking on this team that's going to have to be done, and he knows this. They have to be a little bit better on offense. Yes. Uh, their defense has played great, great football. They've been very tough to run on, very tough to, tough to have any kind of opposition against them. Mm-hmm. They have... Uh, formulated their defensive game plan very well. Offensively, yes, they've scored, 
but it hasn't been in the context of the offensive football that we think of today. And I think he knows that. I know he knows that. And the fact of the matter remains that they are in the playoffs, and that is a motivating factor in its own right. I hope, and only time will tell on this, I hope that the teams, all of them involved, can come back in relatively short order and play a full fall schedule, which they will have to do. But... Over and above that, it's great. I yeah. love it. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. It's your local live sports show. We're talking about Missouri State football and playoffs. Yes, in the same <laughs> sentence. So I want to pass on congratulations to all the players, the coaching staff, the university, because it's a big big change from where we at, were at a year ago. Like Ned said, 1-10, in 10, the team looked defeated before they took the field a lot of times. First few plays, the game seemed to be almost over, and just a, a different voice and a different a, a guy that brings a lot of credibility with Coach Petrino. It's all oh, yeah. altogether different, and that has made a difference. And I think that also is testimony, guys, to the fact that the coaches are underrated. You know, yeah, it's the players who are out there playing. That's who we need to talk about. Coach means a lot because the coach is a teacher, a motivator, a psychologist. And certainly Coach Petrino and his staff, he gives a lot of credit to his staff, and rightfully so, has uh, made such a very big difference in the overall attitude of these players. They want to get out there and play. And I'm not going to say they're going to beat North Dakota up in Grand Forks next Saturday, but I think they have, they'll give, let's put it this way, North Dakota State will, or North Dakota, I should say, will know they're in a football game when it's all over. (laughs) What do you know about North Dakota Well, they were number one in America for quite a few weeks early in the season. They did lose to North Dakota State in their one game, and then they have had a bunch of them COVIDed out, including the game with the Bears, which was to have been on April 3rd. So from a, from a legitimate standpoint of assessing them, they were to have played yesterday in Youngstown, Ohio, and that game was canceled on Wednesday. covid who knows? There was never any reason given for it. It was just canceled. <laughs> How many games did they play in the spring they, session? They, uh, North Dakota would have played, I believe, six, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And the Bears played six in the spring season. And what was their record? Five and one. Who, Five and, and you one. said they lost in North Dakota State. State. And that was down here 25 to nothing. And it was a dominating game by North Dakota State. The Bears had real trouble moving the football. They, <laughs> case in point was this. Early in the ball game. The Bears came up with a pick. I'll not forget it. Right there watching it. The North Dakota State quarterback who is replacing a guy who's going to be number one in the NFL (laughs) draft here in a couple weeks, Trey Lance. Uh, Not as good. Obviously not as good. Straightens up and throws a pass right over the middle and right into the arms of a Bears defender on the 28-yard line. First and 10 to go from the North Dakota State 28. No score in the game. It's early. This is a great chance. Next play, fumble. Uh, Recovery, North Dakota State, oh, eight or nine plays later, takes it in for a touchdown. That's ball game. They never were able to recover from that. It's the breaks, the variables that go on. Since then, I, at that time, being the doubting Thomas that I am, at, well, there goes the season because they're going to get beat every game from here on in. And not only did they not get beat every game, they won every game from there on in. They played a good second half in that game too, because I think they were they were down by almost twenty five to it nothing. It was it was twenty five nothing at halftime, and that's how it ended. And they came out and played a good second half of a football game, and that says a lot about a team that can come out and continue can continue to do the things that they need to do, and not just 
give in. And you may say, well, they took their foot off the gas. They were up 25 nothing, But you still have to go out there and stop them. You can't just roll over. So this is a lot for Coach Petrino and the team that's Thank out you. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk just a second about the NFL draft. It's just around the corner. You mentioned Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Do you think he is going to go above Trevor Lawrence? Probably not above Trevor Lawrence, no. Lawrence is generally considered to be, if not number one, then certainly one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. Lance will be probably probably in the top 12, top 10 to 12, somewhere around there. He is good. And every every picture you see on all the blogs that are put out and all the previews of the draft, his picture's on there. Nice. It's nice. that green and gold uh, North Dakota State uniform that looks like the Green Bay Packers. Yep. <laughs> and uh, he is on there. And you've seen clips of him. The, the guy, was a, he, he's a kid, for heaven's sake. He's what, uh, sophomore, going to be a junior this year. He is very young, but very quick. He is, he is almost, uh, oh, it's, it's hard to make a comparison, but a Seattle Seahawks-type quarterback, quarterback himself. He's very good at scrambling. Not, he's a, a Mahomes. He's not as big as Mahomes, but uh, plays the game very much in that style. Let me ask you this, because I saw an interesting statistic on ESPN or interesting factoid on ESPN that since 2011, Every single first-round draft pick for the New York Jets is not with the New York Jets <laughs> that anymore. Is a correct. Would you, if you were Trevor Lawrence or any other player, would you want to be drafted by the New York Jets? Oh, I don't think that's. I don't think the fact that the draft choices aren't with them anymore is a factor at all. The money is. The money's there, <laughs> and uh, maybe what. You have to appeal to an individual's ego, too. Hey, you can help build this team into a championship contender, and who who can explore the mindset? You don't know. But that might be an appealing factor for a lot of guys, and and you are playing in New York City. And that, in and of itself, is an appeal to many, not all, but an appeal to many. Tom, what do you think? Would you play for the Jets? I would. Um, you know, they showed some life. You know, towards the end of last year, I, I don't know that Darnold was ever going to work out there. I just think he got off to a bad start. I just don't think that was going to work. And, you know, Ned alluded to this and you alluded to it. It's a long line of quarterback failures that they've drafted. You know, you look at Mark Sanchez, who is famous for, of course, the butt fumble. <laughs> and then you look at Chad Pennington. Arnold, it's just an ongoing list of these guys that are gone after two to three years. But is it a is it a quarterback failure or an organizational failure? Well, you know, I'd say it was an organizational failure if these guys went on to do something great somewhere else, but they haven't. They've been mediocre or mediocre or below at best. Now, Darnold may change that. I don't know. I don't have high hopes that he will based on what I've seen so far. But other than that, the Jets are talented. They have a very talented defense, strong offensive line. You bring in a Trevor Lawrence that's hungry for something. We saw before he got hurt last year, Joe Burrow for the Bengals looked spectacular. Yeah. So, I mean, you bring in a kid like that, it builds excitement. You get him a couple of offensive weapons. I think he could do really well. I would jump at the opportunity. Josh? 
I would never play for the Jets. <laughs> Good. I'm glad somebody <laughs> agrees with me. I would. I would be the. Wasn't it John Elway? Did John Elway refused to play for who was the Baltimore Colts. Colts. Yeah. yeah, and then Eli Manning refused to play for the Detroit Lions. I would be that guy. I'm like, <laughs> don't do not send me to New York. Do not send me to the Jets. That organization has been a train wreck for years. It's not going to get any better. It hasn't gotten any better. I read something years ago that said they could have drafted Emmett Smith the year that Emmett Smith was available, and they drafted a running back instead that wasn't Emmett Smith. I don't even remember who that running back was. They could have drafted Joe Montana, and they drafted a quarterback that wasn't Joe Montana. They are a constant miss on their draft picks. That says, that says something about the organization. We're listening, or you're listening, to Ned Talk. We're talking sports right here on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Doing our Sunday afternoon thing. Talking about sports. Got some housekeeping to take care of. We have our voting online right now in brackets for your all-time greatest Chiefs draft pick as we head towards the draft, which is, when's the draft, Ned? It is April the 29th. Just around the corner. Well, yeah. 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 Now, it begins on Thursday. Do I have the right? Is 29th or Thursday? I believe it is. I think it is. It's 29th, 30th, and then May 1st. I don't know, something like that. Yes, it is a Thursday. Okay. Yeah, that's what the calendar says. All right, 29th, 30th, and, and May 1st. That's what it is. And uh, you can vote for your favorites online at 1047thecave.com. That's the place to do that. you got a chance a chance to win a commemorative flip coin from the Super Bowl. Mm, nice. Not the actual one, but one that's very much like it. Not the one they used. Let's be clear about that. So make sure you vote. Who do you think, who's your favorite Chiefs draft pick of all time, Ned. Oh gosh, I would uh, of, of all their draft choices, uh, I'd go back into the 1960s when they had their great era of football. Not that it isn't great now, but I I would have to say the game breaker Otis Taylor would be number one, and number one A would be Mr. Mahomes. I think he is probably those two would have to rank right up with each other. John. I'd go, Mahomes is going to end up being the best. I think right now, if we stopped at a moment in time, I'd vote Derek Thomas. He was such a game changer on defense for them. And, I mean, career cut short on him as well. Josh? Oh, it's Derek Thomas for me. Hands really? Down. Alabama. Roll Tide. <laughs> I'm going to go Lynn Dawson. Uh, Lynn Dawson, Dawson. yeah, but, definitely. But, but, but he's not, guys... Just to be correct, he's not a draft choice. Oh, That's really? Because he was on the uh, Dallas Texans after being with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Indians. So, no, Lenny, Lenny, I don't think really counts in that case. Oh, okay. All right, then. Well, schooled once again by Ned Rose. <laughs> Always fun to do that. You can also listen to uh, our sister station, 104.1 The Bull. They have the St. Louis Cardinals on. I would suggest you listen slightly after 1 o'clock because that's when things get really interesting. <laughs> the noon to 1 hour is very boring. You shouldn't listen to that at all. Let's talk about <laughs> baseball right now because um, there's a lot going on. How are the Cardinals doing, Ned? Well, they're even up going into today's game in Philadelphia. 7-7 seven and seven on the year have played what I consider, and I, I get skewed for this, 
but very inconsistent baseball. Mm-hmm. They had a <laughs> and a fourteen to three win over Washington, then come out the next day and get shut out. Uh, then Philadelphia beats them what nine to two or nine to three. Then they turn around and beat Philadelphia. It, it, it's a game of inconsistency with them so far, but it is April. And I was interested to hear Mr. Schilt say yesterday that uh, hey, the Cardinals are right where we think they're 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 becoming better a team now. They're becoming better organized, and he has a good point because with Arnado in there. Uh, it is a change in chemistry, a change in the chemistry of their batting order. And don't sell that short. It does mean a lot. And their pitching has been very, very sporadic. They did get Kim back yesterday and had him, I think, make 30 pitches, if I'm not saying that what it was, 30 pitches. So he was out of there. And then their bullpen came through. Of course, they had the benefit of having a lot of offensive weapons. But from an overall standpoint, I'd say inconsistency has marked the Cardinals at the moment. But it's very early. Anything can happen. John, you were talking earlier about the parody in baseball this season. What are you saying that you like? I I don't remember a season, and I know it's early, so things are going to change. But I don't remember a season where I've seen so many seven and six, six <laughs> and seven records, eight you know eight and six. I like to see it. It really speaks to I think you know the talent level in baseball right now. And you know we talked about this earlier. I feel like there's some small ball being played. I feel like there is a lot, a lot of competitiveness. You know, we've only got a couple of teams that are really stellar so far. It's the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Everybody else is kind of middling. And then, unfortunately, for anybody that likes the NL West, you've got the Diamondbacks and the Rockies that are, you know, two or three and seven or what, or ten or what have you. Um, you know, Ned talked about the Cardinals. One thing I'll say on that front, Dylan Carlson He's looking like an early rookie of the year candidate. They've got to find some starting pitching, though. Really? Starting pitching has been an aberration to this point. Josh, what have you seen in baseball that you like? You're not a baseball fan as much as we are. I, you know, I'm much more of a casual baseball fan than you guys. But I, I dig the fact that, that there is so much uh, parody going on at the beginning of the season. But I think it is early enough that these guys are, are getting their footing, getting in their grooves. And I think what we were talking about off the air, you'll, you'll start to see some runs. Mm-hmm. By some of the the better teams will rise to the top. They'll have like a ten game winning streak or something to get them way ahead of everyone else. But yeah, I mean, I it's it's off to a good start. I mean, like I said last time I was on, I'm much more interested in baseball this year than ever before, and I think it's because it wasn't there last year. You know, it's nice to have it back. Yeah, oh it gosh. is. It's such a beautiful game. It's the, the sound of it is so it's calming. It was that void that we had last summer that makes folks realize what what is wrong. We don't have baseball. Yes. I'm going to throw this in as, a, oh, an ambient point to the game. We didn't have any Springfield Cardinals last year at right. all. I was in the other day watching the Bears play over there, and the Friars were going in the uh, in the uh, mm-hmm. concession stands. My God, I thought we're back. Yes, that, yeah. it's that just the overall the the, oh, the aroma that's coming from there, the sounds that we all missed. Oh, boy. I hope they take that, they being baseball, takes that into consideration December 1st when they start their contract talks because mm-hmm. you just cannot go through a void like that again. No. No, I, I, that's something that really scares me, the egos involved in this, the uh, Players Association and the owners. Mm-hmm. Need to step back and take a look at what's happened and, and say, you know, America needs their game. They yes. need it. We need it for normalcy. We need it as part of our daily lives to check the paper to see what the teams that we love did last night. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy about baseball. I'm going to say that. My team is New York Yankees. Right. They're off to a horrible <laughs> start. 
Five and nine. I, I've watched a lot of baseball this year. I've been impressed with the play. I uh, was talking to you guys. Tampa Bay really impressed me. Their record's not great to start the season, but I think they're going to be a team to watch. They have a very strong bullpen, and they put the ball in play. They make the team that they're playing beat you. you mm-hmm. They're they're forcing them. They're not going up and just swinging for the fence. Watch the Twins play a little bit. I was impressed with them. And you have to be impressed, and this this kills me as a Yankees fan to say, you have to be impressed with the way the Red Sox are playing. And the other day, I, I watched the Twins and Red Sox play, and they put the Red Sox lineup on TV. And I was like, I know two people in that lineup. They have rebuilt that team mm-hmm. so quickly after just, I think, one real down year. And just put in some really good pieces. Hunter Renfro, I know, plays for that team now. But most of the guy, I, uh, Xavier Bogarts was the guy that uh, mm-hmm. that I knew that's been with the club for a yeah. while. But most of the guys were all new. Yeah, Devers is there. Uh, Kiki Hernandez was a big addition. I mean, yeah. he does a lot of things for that team. Gentlemen, you're overlooking your own backyard. The Royals, yeah. Kansas City Royals. They are playing very well. We took a look the other day at their April record, which is pretty good, and compared it to what it was in their championship years, and it was very favorable. Mm -hmm. As opposed to years when they have been not very good at all, their record in April has been awful. So uh, they're off to a great start, and they are a good team, an aggressive team. Pitching may be a little bit down, but uh, they certainly have the offense, and they can they can pour home some runs. To your point, John, the Red Sox have the best, one of the best records in Major League Baseball right now. They're ten and four. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers are thirteen and two. But yes. the teams that are leading the divisions right now, you're looking at the Royals. They're eight mm-hmm. and five. That's a good record. It it's is. not something that makes you go oh. You know, they're off, but they're, and that's going to be a tough division this year. It is going to be Cleveland will be good. White Sox are much improved. I think the Twins, you can never, don't sleep on the Twins ever. Mm -hmm. And the Tigers, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get with the Tigers in that division. The uh, Angels are out in front of their division. I think that that will be an aberration because Seattle looks like they're better this year. Oakland has played really well after getting off to an 0-6 start. They They are are 7-1 since that time. The Rangers are uh, just, just called a season of That's walk. one to write off. They're going to write off. The <laughs> Mets are out in front of the uh, National League East, 6-4 mm-hmm. and four with their record. The Marlins are playing good baseball. Yes, They're 7-7. They seven Cincinnati Reds, everybody kind of thought going into the season, they'd be a good club, and they are. They're, they're on top of the National League Central. Cardinals right in the middle of that pack right now. The Brewers, always a good team right there. Mm-hmm. Giants are improved this year. I haven't heard a lot about them. And, of course, the Padres are a team. I mean, they're just a team to watch. I mean, out of all that, who do you think is going to be there at the end of the season? I think the Padres will rise to the top of the NL West. I don't have, you know, I think them and the Dodgers, obviously. Um, In the Central, it's going to be a dogfight between the Brewers, Reds, Cardinals. Uh, In the East, I think the Mets will take it. DeGrom's having a massive Cy Young campaign already. And so unless something goes wrong health-wise with him. And then, you know, in the AL, I think the Red Sox are going to be the team to beat. They look fantastic to this point but i would also say too it's really early for a young team it is it's really 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 that's what i'm saying as a yankees fan Mm -hmm. it's kind of surprised me what because i haven't looked at the standings in a couple days been hearing a lot of noise about the braves Mm -hmm. they're in last place yeah Yeah. (laughs) you hear a lot of noise about teams that are in last place you hear a lot of noise about the yankees you hear a lot of noise about the braves 
Mm-hmm. Who else? Who else is in that group? Well, Padres are not, not I mean, they're not off to a, a bad start, but they're not off to a great start. Well, the, the Cubs are in last place, but they're getting too much press for the bad reasons. Right. Manager of the Philadelphia Phillies is Joe Girardi. Yes, it is. And he is one of the primary motivators in all of baseball. I'm not selling my old boyhood team short. They, they can play. Oh, my gosh. And they have, you know, Bryce Harper is the big gun in there, but they have uh, a lot of key weapons, and they've been able to come through and score some runs. Pitching is a little on the shaky side. And that's the key with any championship team in any level of baseball. The, the pundits will tell you, well, you have to have defense. That translates into pitching. Yes, You've it does. You've got to have the pitching. Yeah. We've got our roundtable discussion coming up in just a moment. Today we're going to talk about dynasties. We'll define them for you and then we'll discuss whether they're good and bad and argue over the greatest it is coming up in just a moment ned talk on 104.7 the cave back to ned talk on 104.7 the cave a proud member of the kansas city chiefs radio network you have to give props to major league umpires because i saw that thought the guy was safe he was or thought he was out, and he was safe when you looked at an instant replay. So they get most of those calls right. Oh. Joe Weston, Josh Roberts, John Oliver, and what's your name? <laughs> well, my name is the guy. You're going to be an ex-employee here. You're talking about watching the game when it's on your sister station right over here. Come on, <laughs> man. I had, to, I had to throw some baseball on. Ed Reynolds. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Let's uh, have our roundtable discussion. Sure. We're going to talk about dynasties. First of all, let's... Let's get everybody's thoughts on what a dynasty is. Ned, we'll start with you. Well, you can, you can, I think, identify and define it as being either an individual or an organization that has been able to sustain itself over a period of years. Now, what the years are is easily arguable in many cases, but in my, in, in, in my guessing, in my context of dynasties, it's a period of about a decade. If you have dominated during that part of time, then you, not necessarily winning every year, but when you're a contending team or individual over a period of a decade, that would be defined as, as a dynasty in my context. John, what about you? I'm sure mine won't be the popular opinion. I don't measure dynasties in championships, and I know that's going to be scrutinized a little bit. If you get to that point consistently... I still look at it as a dynasty. So championships are important, but if you're consistently excellent every year, I still look at that as a dynasty. I think that's a low bar. Nobody, I, I understand people think nobody that. Nobody talks about the Buffalo Bills as a dynasty. Ah. They went to the Super Bowl four years in a row, lost all four of them, and they are forgotten. <laughs> it's all about championships. Josh? That's I right. remember them as being first loser. Four right, years in a row. You're uh, obviously you're a dynasty fan. What do you define as a dynasty, Josh? Uh, it's it's championships over a period of time. I agree with Ned. You could probably look at a decade if if a team has dominated for a decade and won. I, I think it has to be at least three championships. <laughs> then you can you can. How many has Alabama won over the last decade? Six. Six. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so six was, out of the last ten. That's a dynasty. Yeah. So, Ned, when you think of dynasty, what comes to mind? The very first one that comes to my mind is UCLA. UCLA mm-hmm. men's basketball from 1965 through 1975. 
88 straight regular season, well, not regular season, total seasonal wins, 88 in a row at one stretch, national championships in 64, 65, then 65 through 73 champions, and then two more after that. Hey, this is this is a, a, a dynasty that John Wooden built. And yes, he had great players, that is true, but he also won a couple of them without the huge yes. great players, the Lou Alcinders and the Bill Waltons and people of that caliber. He just had good teams and a good coach. Now, admittedly, the national championship field was less uh, from what it is now, but still, to win, I don't care what oh, you're yeah. doing, mm-hmm. when you win that number of games, you are a dynasty. Yes. Didn't didn't they win 10 national championships in a 12-year period? Ten, 10 out of 12, yes. right. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. So that's that's top. And okay. I can tell you, this this is, I find this just to be very significant when it's history, 64-65. Back-to-back national championships. In 1966, they didn't even get in the tournament. And you know who won that year? The Glory Road team, Texas Mm, Western. Texas Western. And then from 67 right through 73, they won national championships. David Thompson and company put an end to it at North Carolina State. Then they come back and win a couple more. (laughs) I mean, this is is a pretty good program. (laughs) John, who do you think of? It's the first one that pops into my head is honestly the Tom Brady era in New England. I think you have to look at that as a dynasty. There were a couple of, you know, losses to Eli Manning sprinkled in there, but not only just getting there with them, not only the Super Bowls, but the comebacks in a couple of those Super Bowls, especially the one against the Atlanta Falcons, which was incredible. Josh, what about you? Give me some time, and I may agree with you on that one. But I'm going to say the New York Yankees. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to. I mean, I know Joe, you're a huge Yankees fan, but when you look at the history of baseball, that is the team that is the benchmark for championships. Now, maybe not in the recent past, but I mean, so many. The Hall of Fame is littered with New York Yankee players, and they won so many championships. The true Yankee dynasty is defined as, I believe, 1950, 1949 to 1953 because they won five championships in five years. But yep. it really begins in 23. They win 23, 27, 28, 32, 36, mm-hmm. 37, 38, 39, 41, 43, <laughs> yeah. 47. 49 through 53, 56, 58, 61, 62, and there it stops. <laughs> that is total domination of a sport. It absolutely is. We had a, a DJ in Philly when I was going to school back there who used to, I, I love this too, refer to them as the abominable, monopolistic New York <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, they're the team that comes to mind when you think of baseball, when you think of uh, of football it's it's the patriots you have to say it but i think there's other teams there's i think football gets broken down into decades because in the yeah. 60s it was the green bay packers mm-hmm. i mean they once before there was the super bowl there was the nfl championship and they were dominant in that period and then in the 70s it was the steelers in the mm-hmm. 80s there was a couple of different teams the but joe did they win over a period of a decade well and, and it, it, in within the context of a decade yes Let's 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 toss this in here. Let's talk about the difficulty of the sport right. and the winning That's in true. that sport. I mean, sure. I would say that baseball's a, a, during that period of time, baseball was a little easier to sustain a championship team mm-hmm. as opposed to what it is to do in the NFL to say like today. Yeah. 
Well, you can, I, I don't think there's any question about that, sure. But when you talk about the physical nature of the sport, you've got yeah. to throw in boxing. Yes. Joe Lewis oh, was yeah. a dynasty. Muhammad Ali was a dynasty. Rocky Marciano, Marciano, the only heavyweight champion ever to retire undefeated, 49 straight, a dynasty. Uh, there are so many variables involved. And uh, while length of season means one, decades mean plenty, mm-hmm. it's really how you played how you were able to manifest your skills that uh, would define Dynasty more than anything else. Here's one that we've left out at the, at the table, the Boston Celtics. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they t- totally dominated basketball for a mm-hmm. period of time, professional basketball in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Just great teams, and as as Josh would put it, NBA Hall of Fame littered with oh, Celtics. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else come to your mind? Yeah, except for one year when the Philadelphia yeah. 76ers beat them in 1967. <laughs> I would throw in the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. And and I know that you guys don't like hockey, but in, in the early days of hockey, this is part of what we're talking about. In the early days of a lot of these sports, fewer teams, the talent pool wasn't spread out as much. In the early days of hockey, there were only six teams. But the Montreal Canadiens won 23 Stanley Cup championships in a 35-year period. So 23 out of 35. And they appeared in several others and just lost them. But a lot of that was because with only six teams in the NHL, everybody on every team was a Hall of Famer in those early days. And I think that's part of what we should talk about, too, is in the modern sports era with the larger leagues, more players, more talent spread out, can dynasties still continue the way that we think of them from the past? John, what do you think? I think it's going to be much more difficult. And, you know, we discussed my idea of dynasties might be a lower bar than some. Uh, you know, I look back, some that you may not think of right at the top of head or right at the top of your head would be the Big Red Machine in baseball. Oakland A's. I would put the Oakland A's both in the 70s and don't forget about those late 80s, early 90s teams. Here's my argument, though, for for that mm-hmm. is when you think even even though the Reds were great, I mean, and they were a steamroller of a baseball team, they don't really come to mind anymore. And neither do the Oakland A's. And the A's won three championships in a row, and those that team was stacked from start to finish. And then Charlie Finley just tore it apart. Dismantled it. Yeah. But those teams don't come to mind. When, I think it's the first team that you think of when you think of a sport. I mean, when you think of college football right now, it is – Alabama. Absolutely. And when you think of the NFL, you think of New England. And when mm-hmm. you think of women's basketball, it is UConn. And, and UCLA is still the benchmark in men's basketball. And the Yankees are still the bench. Even though the Yankees haven't played as well over the last 20 or 30 years, mm-hmm. I mean, they still have championships in that period. And if I can throw in one more, too, and yes, Alabama at currently currently is the, the hallmark of, of dynasty in college football. Not overlook Oklahoma. 47 consecutive victories is still the all-time winning streak in college football. Oklahoma in the 1950s uh, with Tommy McDonald and Clendon Thomas and people of that caliber under Bud Wilkinson. Great era. A great era of football. Really quickly, let's go around the table and say almost dynasty, Ned. Almost dynasty? Almost dynasty. A team... uh, I guess Buffalo Bills will be the first one that comes well, to mind. That would, yeah, that would. There are others. Let me, I have to think about it for a second. Go ahead. We didn't talk about the Lakers. There are a lot of yeah. runs for them that could be considered almost dynasty. Um, that's the first one that comes to my mind. 
Josh, what do you think? I'll say the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, I agree with that. Braves, yes. The Braves. had so many yeah. people the year the, the Yankees beat the Braves in that World yeah. Series ago. Oh, Braves were a better team. Yeah, they guys, were not. They, they won the National League East 11, 11 seasons. That still constitutes being a dynasty. Mm-hmm. In a but sense, they didn't yeah. win it all, but though. And that's only won you've got one to, World Series. You've yeah. got to finish it. You do have, I mean, in, in, a, in a sports fan's mind, it's second place is first loser. I mean, that is, and that's how we think of it <laughs> yeah. in sports. What yeah. What do you guys think about the San Francisco Giants of the early 2010s winning the alternating championships? Right I mean, that's hard yeah, but not they to... don't come to mind. I, nope. I know, you know, I know. You know nope. Things that come to mind. We'll talk more. We've got more Ned Talk on the way. We'll wrap it up in just a moment. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Once again, we'd like to pass on our Ned Talk congratulations to Missouri State men's football. They're in the playoffs, folks. In the playoffs. They play Saturday. They play Saturday at 3 o'clock up at the Grand Forks, North Dakota. Will that be on the television anywhere? Well, I'm sure it will be, but exactly how it's going to be apportioned out, I don't know. I will tell you this, that the national championship game in FCS is on ABC National Television. Oh, well, that would be very cool. What are you going to go home and watch this afternoon since you can't mow your yard, Ned? I'm going to make a fighting try at mowing my yard, but it's going to be a fighting try. You can't mow when it's wet. It just lays it over. Did did your dad not teach you these things? Yeah. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see what happens. Your yard's going to be need to be mowed again on Wednesday. Wednesday. I can tell you that. What are you going to do, John? Uh, I'm going to watch some baseball. I'll uh, I'll watch the rest of this game 90 minutes after it ends. Like so many Cardinals fans, I think are in the mode right now. Because Did you cut the cord? Is that the reason why you? Uh... I've got yeah, I've got Hulu live through uh, Roku, and uh, that along with most of the other providers other than Directv do not have Bally Sports. Nope. DirecTV's got Bally Sports. DirecTV does. That's about it. It's yeah. Dish that does not, I believe. Dish doesn't. Oh, okay, yeah. so I because I've been watching a lot of games on uh, mm-hmm. on Bally Sports. What are you gonna do? Since there's not, is there soccer on this afternoon? No, it's already over. Oh dang! It's okay though. <laughs> I will probably. Shucks. I'll probably see if there's any baseball on that I can. Oh, sure. what'd you think of the golf last weekend? Let me ask you that real quick. We haven't had a chance to talk about it. Masters. You made a reference to the Masters. Yeah, what'd you think? That was a great, great uh, victory. Uh, to to have a diversity in in nationalities coming in. First ever Japanese player Hideki Matsuyama. Matsuawa, I think this is how he pronounces his name. I, th- I thought it was great, and he played very consistent golf, and that's wins. A tournament, in all honesty, was missing an attraction in Tiger Woods. Yes. Everybody watches now to see what Tiger's going to do. Did talk to a longtime follower of the PGA and of golf in general who speculates that he just may never come back. I it would be a hard. I mean, if anybody can do it, he can. But it would be a hard road after that sort of injury to. His I legs. think I'd like to see him just it be over with. Yeah, because there's a that'll be we'll we'll make that a roundtable discussion playing to next week. We'll we'll talk about playing too long. Playing mm-hmm. too long. Stormy, throw that up on the website. Playing too long. People that play that play the game too long. <laughs> so we've got our uh, afternoons we, we planned. Not to want to discuss. I'll see how somebody may. May say Joe Weston and Ned Reynolds, but <laughs> anyway, thanks guys for being here. Ned, we'll see you. Uh, you're on each weekday morning with Mike, the intern, uh-huh, and and you're on all through the day with us. 
John, you're on with us every other week. Josh, you're on with us whenever we can get you away, right. from, away from your other gig. <laughs> but thank you guys for all being part of the show today. I want to say thanks to Scott Meyer, Corbin Campbell, Mike the Intern, and Nick Fury. It's Ned Talk. If you missed it, you're tuning in, you're going, dang, I missed those four guys talking about sports. You can download it as a podcast. <laughs>